It's episode 56 of Honestly Unbalanced, uh, the podcast dedicated to chat to people that have tried to make your life a little bit better. And this week we chat to the most wonderful person, the brightest light, Tara Style. She's the founder of Strala, which is a revolutionary approach to being, moving, healing, and it's practiced in over a hundred countries. And it kind of fuses yoga, Tai Chi and traditional Chinese medicine to help people release stress, let go of bad habits and move easily through all kinds of challenge. Tara has authored loads of best-selling books, including most recently Clean Mind, Clean Body. She's been profiled in magazines and publications all over the world, like the Times of India and the New York Times. She's been invited to speak at Harvard University and New York University. And she does amazing work for charity and actually working with a few charities, including the American Heart Association and Clinton Foundation. She brings her style of yoga, Strada Yoga, to 30,000 schools across the United States. Whoa. So Tara is wonderful. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to chat about. We're going to chat about what does it mean to feel better practicing yoga from teen years, finding love in an ashram, the importance of knowing what you need to be happy, following your inner pool and letting go of trying to fix students, the abuse of power in the yoga world, helping yourself to help others and navigating social media. So lots to discuss. Before you get listening, just to say we put a huge amount of work into creating this podcast and our guests dedicate their time to it. It would be so appreciated if you share what we do, if you like it, if you drop a review, if you drop a five-star rating, we would love you forever. And a few little treats for you before we get going. Code HUSLER, H-U-S-L-E-R, all caps, gives you 10% off Lifeform yoga mats, which I have used forever. Code THE HUSLERS, still no teen hustlers, uh, that gives you 37% off or even more if there's a sale on the MyProtein website. So that means you can get nutrition, supplements, and loads of clothing there too. You can get 25% off our online platform with Sound Journey and Yoga with code Hustlers 25 And Holly and I both have courses coming up. I have a six-month mentoring, coaching, and education program for teachers starting in February. And you can get the early bird this week until Sunday if you're interested. That's £250 off. And Holly has a seven-week uh, chakra Earth to Sky Sound Journey course. But if you want to know more about either of those, just head to adamhustler.com or hollyhustler.com respectively to get a little bit more info. Anyway, I've kept you long enough. I'm going to let you go. You enjoy the episode. Honestly unbalanced. What's made you wait so long? Because you you were like a pioneer in kind of YouTube and so many other things. What made you kind of pause on the podcast? What made you not go straight into it when it became a thing? Oh, I mean, I just, I'm such a fan of other people's podcasts, I guess, you know, is the thing. I never really thought um, that would be something that I would make a, a, a useful contribution for, seriously. I, you know, everybody's so good at interviewing everybody else. And so many people have a really incredible, specific idea. Like you guys have this inspiration from that book, Jack Cornfield's book. And, you know, I'm just a fan. I love to listen. So, you know, I think for me, a lot of things kind of whack me on the back of the head and a production company just emailed me and approached <laughs> me about it. And then I thought about it and I thought about my schedule and how most people interview people 
you know, you guys do this with so much of your energy and you get to know people and, and you do it, you know, kind of full on. And I wouldn't want to be halfway doing yeah. it. You know, if I, if I interview someone, I want to read their book. I want to watch their films. I want to hang out with their family, you know, <laughs> and so, I nice. it. so I, I, you know, and then I thought about this, well, it'd be really cool just to talk to people and make it short and simple and, you know, not, uh, a big d deep dive into these kind of two-way conversations with, you know, interesting or prominent figures or up and coming people. I just think that that's, you guys do that so well. And I love, I'm a fan of that format, oh. but I don't think that I would do a good job necessarily hosting that format. So I don't know. I'm just I feel your ideal format would be someone spending like a weekend with you and having yeah i'm, like, I'm totally <laughs> offline yeah <laughs> but like someone spending a weekend and then you like having a little bit of your chat at breakfast then a little bit of your chat after yoga and it'd be like an hour long podcast recorded over the course of a weekend oh 100 actually a girl who i know through yoga she's from israel she was hanging around in the u.s and a little bit down in mexico and she asked if she could come stay with us for a week and then interview me for her podcast and i was like yeah that sounds fun <laughs> you know i'd spent like two weeks with her in New York at the studio, but only in five hour intervals. So I really never got to know her in that way. So it was a really neat way to get to know her. We recorded it in the camper outside, you know, the whole thing. Amazing. <laughs> That's how to get a free holiday out of Tyler Styles. <laughs> Come on over. Invite yourself down. And your, is your podcast called Feel Better, which is just so lovely and simple. I mean, I'm definitely going to be tuning in. So what is the, what's the idea behind it? Other than yeah, feeling just better. feel better. <laughs> just to I feel, feel better. Like yeah, I feel like so simple about yoga. That's always been my main pull for doing it and sharing it as well. You know, I know if we feel better, we do better. We make better choices. We're better in the world, all that stuff. But I feel like that feel better is just my reason for sharing things. And I even remember when I first started sharing yoga on YouTube and just trying to pull together friends and family. I would never lead with, hey, do you want to do yoga? Because that's such a loaded question. <laughs> Even now, like 20 years later, yeah. people would say, oh, no, or oh, yes, or whatever it was in between. But I always started asking people about themselves, you know, what's going on. And then everybody loves to talk about themselves. You know, oh, my head hurts. My back hurts. You know, everybody's got a country song. <laughs> my boyfriend <laughs> broke up with me. My girlfriend <laughs> broke up with me. I lost I my that. job. You know, and then I always thought, oh, man, yoga can help you feel better. So... I love the idea that when you come to yoga or really anything that can help you feel better with that idea that, okay, this can actually help me feel better. You know, you lose the, the dogma about it, the trying to be good at the thing of the practice instead mm -hmm. of just doing the practice. So yeah, mm -hmm. I guess I'm just a Philistine deep down. <laughs> do, do you think that's kind of, that works, can work in a negative way in the sense that just playing devil's advocate, if someone goes to yoga with the expectation of feeling better and then actually something makes them, you know, have some deep self inquiry and actually they start to get quite reflective and don't just, you know, feel like they've had a deep inquiry, but not necessarily better. Like what, what are your thoughts on that angle of things? Oh gosh. Um, I suppose that's possible. Yeah. I mean, you always feel worse before you feel better. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, true. yeah. You need yeah. perspective, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Especially what, you know, so many people are going through now you have to kind of look at, all your stuff and you know yoga brings that up for sure but i think instantly when you soften and take a few breaths 
you do feel better, but I think that helps us kind of open up and look at really what's going on. And yeah, maybe there's a whole lot of worse in between that. You're right. I never yeah. really thought about that so much. But, but I guess it almost requires you to reframe what feeling better even is. Like, is yeah. better just simply, oh, just happy, happy, happy. Mm. Or actually, is feeling better, more grounded, more stable, more content. It isn't just happy. Which requires you to go yeah, into Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's definitely not, you know, the take a pill and feel better, yeah. you yeah. know, for sure. But but really, that that idea of moving toward a better way. I mean, I love this Ben Harper song, I Believe in a Better Way. I love playing it in yoga because it's just, you know, you can kind of play music sometimes and it does the work for you. Yeah. And he yeah. just says that over and over, almost like a mantra, I believe in a better way, I believe in a better way. So for me, that feel better is moving kind of toward that better place mm. for sure. But, you know, again, it's probably it's probably that for some, but if people just say, oh yeah, I want to feel better, you know, I've got cousins here that don't go to yoga, of course, don't do things like that. And they come, oh, my back. <laughs> I get them down to the ground and just, you know, lean on them a little bit and just lying down some simple yoga things. Almost they're not even doing anything physically. You can kind of manually move people around with this stuff. And, and they automatically say, oh, I feel better. And then, oh, I should be doing this more often. I should be drinking less alcohol i should be doing this but i don't feel like it's my place to tell people what to do or how to feel we all know the stuff that we're supposed to be doing <laughs> but we just don't do it i'm no no new voice in that oh eat your vegetables everybody you know, everybody knows to do that you know if we're not doing it it's because we're not feeling better or we're not you know i love this idea of being more sensitized to how you actually feel mm. instead of just going for the, okay, this feels good and this feels bad, you know, move how it feels good can come across kind of, like you said, happy, happy, instead of notice how you feel, first of all, and then, whoa, I have to notice how I'm feeling. <laughs> and then I can do something about it. Yeah. Can you tell us about how you found yoga or how yoga found you? Oh, gosh, I think I think we all probably have a super similar story about this for sure. <laughs> But I grew up dancing. I thought that would be my whole life movement and movement with people and for people and all of that. And my ballet teacher brought yoga into our conservatory and this was the late nineties. So of course yoga is older than that, <laughs> but for, for it being in school programs and things like that, that was still pretty new. And I remember seeing this teacher, he was just a, you know, a guy, he kind of looked like Jack Tripper from that show Three's Company, like the character, not the actor. <laughs> <laughs> and he was sitting there in the front of the room. And my draw to that was he was happy for no reason. Mm. And he was calm, he was peaceful. And the dancers were literally not making fun of him, but not taking the class seriously. And I thought, man, this guy can't be making a lot of money. He's not getting any attention. Nobody cares that he's even here, but he's still happy. <laughs> I was like, I want that. That's amazing. So I thought just from seeing him that this was an amazing practice that I had somehow been looking for, but didn't know that there was a practice mm -hmm. to this. You know, I'd read a lot of different books by different thinkers on kind of broader topics like that, from science to spirituality to religions and that kind of thing. But I never knew there was a practice of self inquiry that you could actually just do. 
and find teachers that can show you more cool things about it. So I really felt a big draw to this is amazing. And then and then this second whack on the back of the head has ruined me for my life. It was, why don't my friends do this? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still in that place of, oh, why don't all my friends do this? This is amazing. Obviously, it should be everywhere. It should be easy to do, not just, you know, accessible in a financial way, but the whole practice should just be seen as easier. Cause mm -hmm. I started asking my friends, why don't you do yoga? Oh, that's strange. That's you have to be this, or you have to be that, or, yeah. you know, the misconceptions that we still hear. So I kind of got pulled in slowly and then gradually you kind of look at your life and say, okay, I'm spending all of my time doing this and none of my time doing the other things anymore. Was there a moment where kind of the da dance ended and yoga took over completely? Kind of, sort of, I suppose. I, I moved to New York and I was doing lots of different things, dancing in kind of art films and videos and gigs here and there. And also learning about yoga. That was the point when yoga was starting to be in gyms and some studios, some kind of institutional studios. It was all very strange and small <laughs> at that time. Insular, mm -hmm. I guess is a good word. But I was still always asking people, on dance jobs, on TV commercials about yoga. So it was kind of intertwined for sure. You know, I'd ask the craft service girl, oh, hey, your back must be hurting. Do you want to do a few <laughs> little moves here and there? And then I'd have, you know, the whole camera crew not doing what we would see now as a yoga class, but we'd just be doing stuff together. And I would kind of show them a few things and they would say, oh, they would literally say, I feel better. So mm -hmm. I think that that phrase has kind of just stuck with me but sometimes people say you know the physical stuff that's not all that yoga is yoga is more than that which is completely true but for most western people the physical body is the best way to get people involved in the first place isn't it Cause that's what pe people know the body so actually getting someone who's never encountered yoga to go and meditate for half an hour ain't gonna happen this <laughs> is not happening yeah. but if you can just grab someone get them in a po pose get them into something that feels nice that is a perfect pathway for someone to enter a bit of deeper self, uh, self inquiry, isn't well, it? Well, I never really saw a difference, to be honest. And I, I, you know, I think a lot of maybe because I grew up doing dance and it's such a, an artistic practice, it's not like you have the moves and then you have the artistry. Everything's all together all at the same time. Mm. So, you know, when I would show somebody a stretch, it wouldn't be like a cool down after a run or something. It would be like stay in the thing you know, get comfortable, notice your breath moving through you. So I kind of always love this idea of not saying, okay, now you're going to have this, this spiritual experience yeah. and this is the physical part, but it's kind of, uh, you know, a, and everything all together all at the same time thing for sure for me. Mm. And was there much going on in, in your life that yoga helped you personally to feel better about? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I would probably be feeling so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> without yoga. You know, I think the time when I was learning yoga, I was a teenager. So it definitely must have saved me a lot of problems and helped me through a lot of other problems that I knew about was happening for sure. And I think this whole idea also of discernment, you know, I was in New York when a lot of these criminal yoga teachers were coming up and I would yeah, be like, that wow. doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not going back to that. <laughs> so it kind of gave me that confidence also. I, I think getting into something so young, 
I was so naive. I thought yoga teachers were all from, you know, the planet Voltar. And <laughs> if you were teaching yoga, you were also some sort of angelic human, you know? <laughs> so to see people doing not so nice things and in the yoga world, I thought, wow, that really having the yoga before seeing that gave me the confidence to not be sad about yoga or get into any of those, you know, not so great situations and try to pull people out for sure. So I think it really helped me through all of that. And then of course, you know, everything, I got a bunch of cavities filled yesterday and I'm sitting there like, okay, I can just kind of hang out and see if I can get comfortable in this chair a little bit, move my hips around and breathe for a little while. And then I kind of woke up an hour and a half later and they were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine now. I'm sure I'll be feeling it, you know, when all of this Novocaine wears off. But <laughs> I just had a nice experience, you know? So yeah, it's definitely in more ways that I completely would even know for sure. And you found love through it, didn't you? I saw you married. I was looking at your photos this morning. And the yeah, well, you too. I want to interview you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tell Mike, he's the first, not the first, but you know, I joke, he was the first straight guy I met who did yoga and I thought well hey that's pretty cool you know <laughs> I saw him at a, a super weird yoga retreat it was not that Dharma Mitra and Krishnadas are weird but the place looks like it's called Ananda Ashram I don't know if it still exists it's upstate New York we would just like get in the train and go there and it looked like the scene of a of a low budget horror movie <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. Like, like it had one of those swimming pools that was all emptied out Ooh. there's a few girls that were my age just kind of living there you could kind of stay on if you were having a problem you know and it kind of fostered that sadness of yoga a little bit mm. so actually it was in the beginning of youtube and i had a flip cam i don't know if you guys remember those little flip cams yeah. Yeah. and i was kind of like running around there was a guy there super nice guy bob and he lived there so i just started talking to bob and he told me he had this heroin addiction and they let him live there and he would be the handyman. So I kind of interviewed Bob for like my YouTube channel. <laughs> <his yoga experience. laughs> and then I see Mike across the room and I'm like, oh God, I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to end up with this guy. I don't know if I'm done like goofing off in my dating life to like get serious, but I kind of knew that this was a for real thing and he was a good person. And we're going to have a lot of good adventures together for sure. I wonder if it could have ended if Mike wasn't there, it would have ended with Bob. <laughs> I could have, I could have just, you know, had Bob build me a little yoga <laughs> studio and made our videos from there and it could be here with me and Bob. Yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, Bob. But how nice that you found that you found that. And then you've been, you've been together for so long now, haven't you? Yeah, so long. Gosh, that was... 2007 so yeah long time and and you 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 occasionally you well you do things together as well it's not just that you are in a relationship you are business partners in a sense yeah it's cool so he was doing all this yoga and he had this uh physical background with tai chi and all these you know sports and things like that and he's just kind of a you know what i would call a New York guy like he was really smart and so he was doing like startups and things like that but he would go to his office and sit on the floor and you know just do yoga stuff and I, so I would go to his office once and be like you don't like what you're doing <laughs> you know so he started going less and less we started knitting together oh. and he would come home from his office and like knit a little bit and then I'm like you should you know you should probably go back <laughs> at some point <laughs> So I think kind of sh slowly, but 
eventually he realized that, you know, I wasn't going to stop doing this. This wasn't a hobby for me. I think in the beginning he thought, oh, that's really cute. Like you do this yoga thing. And I was also like always figuring out, you know, I always had a backup plan like, oh, I should be doing this or I was helping uh, uh, people raise money for like independent films and just kind of, you know, New York is amazing. You can just go and meet people and, and, and get involved in projects and things like that. So I always had uh, a plan if, you know, yoga didn't work out, it was never like, this is going to be my life (laughs) so or my business, or I'm going to make it in this. So, but I was always getting pulled into lead yoga one-on-one with people and it would go well. And then everybody has friends. So my schedule was super full with yoga things enough to pay my rent at the time. So, you know, one thing just kept leading to another and I started getting more commercial opportunities to do things with people kind of in the world, like DVDs back then. (laughs) That was like a thing. So the more I would do things, the more things would happen or the more opportunities that I would get to do kind of more uh, projects like that. So it definitely, I think he's, he kind of didn't take me seriously and then kind of looked and said, oh, what you're doing is pretty cool. And it's actually helping people so much. And he was pre-med and lost his brother to cancer and Mm -hmm. kind of stopped the medical school because he was just so sad about everything. So I think for him getting back into a way to help people heal and, and deal with whether it's grief or loss or disease or, you know, the things that happen in life, he really found a big interest in that. So Mm. I think it kind of, you know, is interesting for us Mm. for sure. And do you have any, any tips for any couples that want to kind of do work related things together as it were (laughs) i don't know if i have any tips at all (laughs) i think it's just (laughs) honest well maybe i do i think getting to know yourself is really important yeah Mm. so i know what i need to be happy just space wise you know i need for myself to do yoga every day i i need that i love doing yoga with people every day so on our app i have a class every day early in the morning so that's really my time, my space. And after that, I have time, you know, this is super cool. So after yoga today, I took a shower and like got ready for you guys. I feel like I did something like super <laughs> fancy today <laughs> to you guys. So, you know, shower, put on a shirt, the whole thing. So this time of day is really my time to to do with however I however I choose for sure. And he has that time in the afternoon. And we have a four-year-old, so of course we have you know, schedule with her, he has breakfast with her, then Aww. we do things together as a family, then he has time. So I think it's super important, at least for us and maybe for for other folks, not to look at what other people are doing necessarily, but to get to know what you need to be happy mm-hmm. and then, you know, carve out that. There's no one way to schedule your day or schedule mm-hmm. your business or whatever it is. I don't, you know, I don't work that way for myself, but mm-hmm. I know maybe other people find comforts in other kinds of methods. And what, what I found so handy, I mean, I know it doesn't always work out like this, but I was always, you know, from one relationship to another type person by accident, really. But I found it so valuable to have um, a good year and a half before meeting Adam. Um, and like mm-hmm. you said, just to have that time to really work out what made me happy has been so valuable in having a, a really lovely relationship now because you realise you don't, you want the other person, you don't need the other person because you know that you've mm-hmm. got yourself 
to rely on. And um, yeah, having that space is so valuable if you can. That's trying to fill up your own cup. Yeah, without needing I, someone I, else. I saw something the other day. I'm going to misattribute it, so I won't even try. But it's the idea of you don't necessarily let people drink from your cup. You let your cup kind of overflow into a saucer and then you let people drink from the saucer. Cute. That's cute. Which I like, I've stolen that from someone somewhere. <laughs> so nice. sorry, like sorry to whoever created that analogy. But I really like it. And also you've got a nice one about, is it the strings of a harp? You should be... Oh, oh the, the idea in a relationship. I think this is Cahill Gibran, actually, that he wrote that an idea that in a relationship, you shouldn't try to be the same person. You should buy, mm. try to be like two strings on a harp that play together, mm. make a beautiful chord, but are beautiful in their own right. Mm. Yeah, like, that's nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I get confused by people who try to be the same person and you know again maybe it works for them but some people you know how they do with celebrities they combine their names or whatever oh, oh yeah and i'm sure nobody does that to themselves you, know? you, ne- you <laughs> never know you never <laughs> maybe it's cute for the beginning or something like that but but yeah i think it's i think that's healthy of course um yeah you've got a very confident independent woman right there so (laughs) speaking of confidence actually that's a nice little segue because you know so much of what our podcast is 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 um you know showing people that the instagram reel is is is, can be such a highlight uh, or sorry a highlight reel but behind the scenes um you know the person isn't i'm not saying you're not confident but there's you know people do go through struggles and to, to get to where they've got to today so have you do you always do you feel that you've always been a confident person or has has there been like a, a struggle with that along the way because things just seem to flow from one thing to the next or yeah can you speak a little bit about that Honestly, I don't know if I am. I don't know if I feel confident. I I get super nervous and super excited, and I kind of feel that that desire to do things, a desire to move forward, for sure. I don't ever feel. I don't know that I ever feel like, oh yeah, I've I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. I know that I can obviously lead a yoga class and it just feels like taking a shower. That's Mm. not something I'm unconfident in, but as far as doing new things and kind of expanding my comfort zone, I'm, I'm always a little bit nervous and excited, but I still feel that kind of deep pull. Same as when I first started learning yoga, okay, if not, and it sounds so corny, oh, if this could help one person, but it's not really like that. It's sort of like, this is amazing. And I just feel like doing it for myself and, and sort of like the saucer thing. I love that maybe by accident, somebody else enjoys it as well. Mm. Because of course, you know, we all learned through yoga. You can't fix other people. Mm. <laughs> you, know? you can't say you should really be not stretching so much in that position, but if you can maybe give them a little space and and not give them attention for being so flexible, then maybe they don't get that reward and then say, oh, maybe I don't need to whack my knee out in this position because mm-hmm. the teacher isn't coming over and clapping for me. Mm-hmm. And maybe I notice how I overextend myself in my life all the time. And then maybe that person comes back a year later and they say, you know, I used to be a mess all over the place. And now I've got this stable relationship. I've got this. And you can think I didn't do that for them, but I didn't give them attention when they wanted it and it wasn't maybe the most health healthy thing for them. So I think this whole like fixing other people thing is just educated guesses about what we learn through experience and really helping ourselves, you know, along the way for sure. Mm. I really like what you said there about the approach to let's say the over flexible 
drama, yeah. dramatic person <laughs> in class. I think so many teachers either they indulge that person and say, oh my God, you're amazing, you're bendy, mm. wow, you should be a yoga teacher or like, or maybe my bias sometimes to try and fix them, try and educate in that moment, like can't leave them alone, pedantically. No, don't do that, why? Because you're going to overstretch this area and, and go on a rant. And actually that just giving them space and not giving them the feedback, that's actually probably the most powerful thing for them mm. is not indulging. And for you too, because yeah. then you don't have to waste your energy you know, <laughs> in a weird direction that nobody wants. <laughs> yeah. Mm, and not, so and you don't create that resentment, that anger, that, for that, that energy in class. You just let them mm. do their thing as long as they're not hurting anyone else. And hope they, in a sense, grow out of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to look at it. Let's talk about what you then created in the yoga yeah. world. So you went from being a practitioner, you know, touring studios, touring styles, touring retreat centers, meeting Bob, to then creating <laughs> Strala Yoga, like your, your own style. Can I talk about how, I guess, not only did you create that, but you thought actually there is space for me to create a thing yeah, I suppose we all have a lot of energy and I just need to do stuff. Whatever I'm doing, I just need to do stuff, you know? <laughs> so with the yoga, I started doing the one-on-ones that just started to happen. You know, I'm sure for you guys too, Some, if you're good at something, you usually get another opportunity to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I always see that as, well, that's the, I'm doing a good job. That's the success, I suppose, just getting to do it again. Um, I started a free class in Central Park, you know, I guess that was 2007. Mm. I just wanted to do yoga with more people than just one, you know, I was kind of bored of, you know, the, the one wealthy person and all of their problems. <laughs> like, Come on, guys. It's not that bad. Um, so, you know, regular people like me would come and people not like me would come too, just walking by the park and doing stuff. And the studio happened really because it got cold. It was fall in New York and I had met Mike and he had uh, a living room and a bedroom and I just had one room that was everything. So (laughs) I said, hey, can we use your living room for a yoga space? So we were both reading a lot of different, um, you know, books about yoga and spirituality at the time. And I said, well, I love strength and balance and awareness. And maybe we can kind of mush these together and create a word. And we thought we invented the word Strala, which of course we did not. (laughs) (laughs) Years later, um, a Swedish journalist came to do a little write-up on some book or something I was doing. And she said, oh, it's so cool that you call your studio Strala. And I'm like, what the heck is Strala? (laughs) (laughs) She said, it's this Swedish word. You know, it means exactly what your goals are to to radiate light, to emit rays, to smile broadly. And I thought, well, that's kind of incredible because I love the the result of yoga helping you become more like yourself. So that whole, you know, radiating idea and that helps you smile and Mm. connect with yourself is really, you know, when we do feel that sense of centeredness and everything. So I thought, okay, that's cool. Hope I'm not violating any country code <laughs> or something. <laughs> so yeah, we just started that. And, you know, I think with with anything, I didn't have a big goal or a big plan. Uh, there was no model for this kind of a thing at that time either. And I definitely didn't want to feel like I was working at some sort of corporation or something like mm. that. You know? So so people just started coming and at that time, it was still new to play music in classes. And I would just play things like Ben Harper and Eddie Vedder and classic rock and some Christian dots, but just kind of slowly and softly when people would come in just to create an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I would talk to people before and after class, which was also unfortunately 
not really done in yoga studios. Uh, we would hang around and have like juice and cookies afterwards Aww. and just hang around. And all of these things were for some reason new, but also people were enjoying it and coming and bringing their friends. So we just needed a bigger space. And one of the places that I practiced yoga at before was this crunch gym on Broadway in Houston. And, and I remember walking by and it, they closed the gym a few years before that. And there was a sign for rent of the whole building. I'm like, okay, I can't do that. So I went in and I said, can I just rent the yoga room, like a quarter of the fifth floor or whatever. And the guy was like, you're crazy. There's grass growing in between everything. You want to have access to a bathroom. And I was like, just, you know, can you give me a price like month to month? And he gave me a pretty low price. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so we just did it. I mean, Starbucks was the bathroom, you know, that kind of a thing. I let people come over to my apartment, which is a couple of blocks away to use the bathroom if they had to. We built a little changing room, but it was super simple. And like, like anything that kind of has momentum, one thing continued to lead to another and people kept coming and asking questions about how they could teach yoga in this way. And for me, it was just, don't be mean to people. Don't push people into poses, you know, be a good person, you know, think about what you're doing, mm. <laughs> you know, like these kind of things. It was just so obvious. And, but, but for some reason it wasn't being done. So, you know, I resisted leading teacher trainings and things like that for a really long time. And something happened, our friend now who teaches Shiatsu and our um, programs, Sam Berlin came and funny kind of connection. He used to do Shiatsu on my ballet teacher when he was with American Ballet Theater in New York oh. in the seventies. And he came in and he said, Tara, how you're approaching, like how we talked about earlier, giving that person space who usually gets congratulated and how you're, how you're touching people in positions or not touching people, that's shiatsu. And I said, well, I don't know anything about shiatsu. <laughs> he's, but he's like, you're doing the idea of it. So I started learning about shiatsu. And then Mike growing up doing Tai Chi eventually just told me how you think about yoga is Tai Chi, like including your breath and your body together, not staying in a pose rigid, you know, not that yoga is inherently rigid, but of course people are rigid and we get really obsessed with like, do the pose. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm. So I never liked this idea. It was always funny to me. I think that's why I always loved you guys. I'm like, you guys get it. Like you're making fun of the, the, the over seriousness. A lot of people take with yoga. So I always loved this idea. And this came from my dance background really of, of moving moment to moment through the positions. And yeah, you're going to end up in a triangle and it's not going to be dancing and performance, but how you get there is just as important as mm. the thing yeah. that you're doing. So it really took a long time of kind of piecing together like a laboratory of well, what actually are we doing? And can I get better at it before I start to open my mouth and <laughs> tell people what I think I know. So, you know, we started doing workshops and um, sharing with people how to get into movements better, how to do hard things a little bit more softer. And, you know, people just kept coming and, and we just slowly resisted the temptation to think that we're awesome. And, you know, it happened over a long period of time and it's still, you know, always learning for me and Mike and Sam as well. And just, you know, trying not to be corny or, you know, creating something because it's an idea here, but creating something because it's actually already happening with what we're doing. So mm. it's been nice and healthy, I think, for 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 me <laughs> and, uh, and for our 
you know, community as well, because nobody's really in charge. You know, there's no pyramid scheme. You can do a training and, and do what you want with it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get mad if you stop doing yoga with us. We, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, it's a healthy community, which yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> you, don't, you don't charge people a year to carry on teaching your style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally fine. Amazing. But you had, although like, your intentions were so, you know, so amazing and what you're teaching sounds so wonderful, yet you had like resistance, didn't you, from some areas of the yoga community at the time? Like you had a oh, little bit of that. at the time. And what, yeah, what, I mean. Carry on. Oh, sorry. It's just because, I mean, honestly, yeah, it was, but I knew it wasn't, honestly, you know, I was the one being like, in my mind at least, I don't like what's going on. I would see somebody taking advantage of somebody in a Mm -hmm. yoga class. I mean, we all kind of saw that, but there was no infrastructure to say, hey, what are you doing? You know, so I just stopped going. You know, I would, because I have a dance background, a teacher would pick out me to go into the middle of the room and do a backbend and then clap for me. Mm -hmm. And then I would turn and see a girl in the back get frustrated, roll up her mat and leave. Mm -hmm. And I would think that's just not cool. You know, yoga isn't about you know, praising somebody who happens to be a certain, you know, physical background or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I saw a lot of issues with something that's so pure, you know, I think also I grew up Catholic and my whole life was like, that's not okay. That's not okay. That's not okay. okay." (laughs) Stop doing that. Stop doing that. You know, and because of that, you know, the priest in my school is now in jail. So great. (laughs) But also, you know, it sucks that so many bad things happened. So I think I always had that, you know, I don't like what's going on. I don't need to be the one, you know, to get praise for it, but I'm, I want to share yoga in a way that invites people in because yoga is amazing. And whenever you have something so powerful, of course, it's going to come with several people wanting to abuse that power, you know? It's really easy. It'd be easy for me. Somebody come up at the end of the class and say, oh, you changed my life. Oh, yes, I definitely changed mm-hmm. your life. I'm amazing. <laughs> you know? yeah. But no, I like I showed you where to put your foot. You know, <laughs> I, I connected you to yourself. I, you know, I left you alone or I, I talked to you. I noticed that you were, you know, about to cry and I brought you a tissue. You know, mm-hmm. just the, the best thing I can do is is notice what's going on to the best of my ability and make better and better guesses about how I can help in that way. So I didn't see that happening so much or, or really, at least in the, in the, the styles of yoga that were, that were gaining popularity and eventually, you know, crumble down. But, you know, unfortunately the, the people that are bad come back, you know, (laughs) and do other things, Mm. but really, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to save the world. I've just, I feel like yoga is great. And if I can help move the needle a little bit and say, you know, it should feel better for you. It should help you connect and it might feel crappy along the way, but nobody should make you feel like, um, unsafe in mm-hmm. that way. And what do you tell your trainees or how would you teach them not to let their ego get filled by being a teacher? Because of course, along the way, as you said, students might say, Oh my God, you changed, you changed my life. That the best class ever. There might be a bit of like a guru syndrome of them, mm. you know, really praising the teacher. How would you rein in the ego of your trainees? For me, it's it's super obvious in the, the in the method, especially 
It's not so obvious in the yoga structure, but I, I think of yoga as a vocabulary. That's amazing. I mean, Tai Chi, you're just standing on your feet. It's so flawed. Your knees eventually break. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel good. Shiatsu is great if you're connecting with somebody. But for me, yoga is this amazing vocabulary where you can crawl on your hands. You can be on one leg. You're all over the place. So I love just hopefully being an example, but also sharing. If you take credit for somebody's success, you're going to get burned out. It's going to be bad for you. You're going to be hoarding someone else's success. And eventually you're going to get a sore back. You're going to be tired. You're going to have this never enough syndrome. Mm. But if you help somebody connect to themselves and, you know, feel better or transform or whatever it is, and then you, you kind of say, good job you gain so much from that yeah. physically you feel you feel like ah, you know so i i feel like that really comes across especially in our longer groups where we have more time to chat about it and share and things and because you know maybe it's that ratio of people coming understand that or kind of get into that mode if there's somebody that's not understanding that they kind of get swept up more in the current of oh okay you know, it's, if you have an ego maniac thing, it's not that you're a bad person. It's that you were taught that, you know, we were taught yeah. force, push and struggle, claw your way to the top, like, you know, do all of these things, but you know, you can really have all of the things that you want in your business and your life and whatever. I mean, you really can slowly build that by not being a jerk. I really just, believe <laughs> <it's possible. laughs> you know, but if you get to the very, very top, I mean, it's really hard you know, Mike and I were talking this morning about, about, um, Amazon. It's like, well, it wasn't Amazon neat when it was just a, a discount bookshop, but how horrible is it when a business gets so big that they think, okay, in order to get even bigger, you know, I need to now put all the little guys out of business. You know, if, mm -hmm. if you're going to make a sock company, I'm going to make a copy of that company, even though you're selling it on my site. And because I need to be the biggest and the best when you are already you know, doing good. And I was doing good. So mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, that book, Dr. Seuss, the Lorax is so great. <laughs> they chopped down all the trees oh, to bigger yeah. themselves. There's a film as well. It's a movie as yeah. well. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. What, what would you say, what is success to you then? If you were going to define success, what would it be to you personally? Personally, it's, it's feeling at ease or feeling happy, that kind of calm, happy inside. And and everything else is extra. I mean, I feel so lucky really that I get to do what I get to do and share what I get to share. But if I was sharing and doing and, you know, looking fancy in the world, and if I was a mess inside, you know, it's, that's not good. It's not mm -hmm. good for me. And it's definitely not good for whoever's looking at me. You know, it's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that it's possible and, and necessary if I'm going to help others, I need to help myself at the same time. So I've always just made that a priority. And I definitely grew up with the culture of self-care is selfish, you know, but yeah. I feel like what I've learned from yoga and Tai Chi and Shiatsu and Ayurveda and all of these cool things that we study is it doesn't work unless you take care of yourself. You can't, you know, you can't just feel like you're helping the world you know it's just angry tweets and angry messages <laughs> you have to actually take care of yourself and and you can do it while you're taking care of others too which is something i learned from tai chi and shiatsu it's not about 
pushing somebody in a downward dog and hurting my back, I can adjust my body position. So I'm comfortable mm -hmm. and then use my center to connect with another person. And then, oh my gosh, like I actually feel great helping that person. It's, it's actually maybe even better for me than it is for them, but maybe it's great for them too. Mm -hmm. And that's not something I made up. That's in the the sort of rules of all of the healing arts. And I, I just found great comfort in that and also great wonder in why isn't this everywhere? Mm. <laughs> I would think. But people figure it out, you know, also in their own way. And I don't think that everybody needs to think about Tai Chi every day or think about Shiatsu every day. But, you know, these ideas, like you said, with the cup and the saucer, it's the same thing. Mm. And the more you fill yourself up, the more you have to give from from your cup to other people. So it makes mm. sense to to look after yourself, doesn't it? You've got the name Tara and you've mentioned Catholic. So I'm guessing it's Irish Catholic background. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think so. I, I mean, know. I never did one of those 23 in me. So all my my mom's side, her maiden name is Bergbauer, which means hill farmer. Okay, that's not really Catholic. Germany. Yeah, it's, <laughs> they came from Germany, like horse and buggy days. Okay. They all live on one road here in Southern Illinois. So they're very German. Mm. And my dad's name is Stiles. And he has kind of a uh, not so great childhood past. So he just says, I'm German like your mom. <laughs> like, <whatever. laughs> so, I think Stiles is an English name. I got to meet Julia Stiles. She came to the studio wow. a few times and somehow she kind of let me keep hanging out, hanging around her for a little bit. <laughs> and she's English. So I thought, you know, maybe there's some English in there. But I don't there's definitely another English Tara Stiles. I did Google you this morning and looked at kind of Google News and there is yeah. a, no, not happy stories about the English Tara Stiles at the oh, moment. No. <laughs> okay, that. But the reason I asked that and kind of going down the Irish route or even just the Catholic route because often with with Catholicism I, mean, I was brought up kind of Irish Catholic not not mm. now very much atheist well I'm not atheist I'm agnostic I would say mm. anyway so my question there is there's a lot of guilt often tied up with needing to work hard like needing to provide and the guilt if you're not working hard and you've created you know very on the face of it successful business you've go in 100 countries etc so how how did you do that and work like what kind of work ethic did you need? And was there like a guilt of needing to work hard to provide associated with that? I don't think that came from Catholic for me. I think that came from just my genetics or something, you know, the farmer background or something. And I always wanted to be independent and be able to pay for my own life. I never wanted to be dependent on anybody. I guess I'm just super stubborn. So I remember that from a really young age and being in Catholic school, my whole plan when I was five, because I had started dancing, was I'm going to move to New York City and dance. And my parents and teachers would say, well, you know, you're not going to make any money doing that. How are you going to afford to be in New York City? And I'm like looking back, I'm like, that's such a terrible thing to say <laughs> for a child. Yeah. But I remember thinking, well, I'll just live in the nunnery because you can have free rent and then I can help people during the day and dance on Broadway at night. And that was kind of my idea about it. But I think I think what Catholic the religion and also the people of it really taught me was what this religion is saying is be kind to everyone and the people aren't really living up to that at all. Mm. So I would, you know, I was always really skeptical of bad behavior, I guess. And it's not that I'm such an angel or something, but you know, when I saw somebody treating some somebody not right, it really made me angry. So, you know, I, I spent a lot of my childhood standing up for, you know, the, the little guy or the, the overweight kid or the nerd or whatever. And, you know, I just found great comfort in that. So I, I really knew that 
there was no value for me to try to be in the popular crowd. My, my value for myself was to always be independent, create my own ability to survive so I can navigate and, you know, live as effectively as I can. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I'm super weird, I guess. I mean, everybody's super weird. I think that's super cool. We're all weirdos. <laughs> all weird in our, in our own little way. Now, we've kept you for a while, so we're going to do some little quick no, fire. Awesome. Some little quick fire questions now. So question one. What would you like to do more of? If you had an extra bit of time, what would you like to do more of in your life? I think everything for me comes in chapters for sure, but I love writing and it's something I've done a lot of and I don't have a lot of time, not just physical time, but mental and emotional time for it right now. I think it'll come uh, more when our little one goes to school perhaps <laughs> or not, but it's something that I think about often that I, I feel like I don't have time for right now. Not in a, oh, I wish I did in this moment, but at some point I wish I, I feel like I'll have more time for that. And what are you reading at the moment? <clears throat> what, I'm sorry? What are you, sorry, I got a tickle in my throat then. What are oh, you no. reading at the moment? Oh gosh, um, actually it's right here. <laughs> this is my, uh, I came all this way to meet you by Jamie Edinburgh. So okay, she's a, she's a super cool author. Um, actually this book reads kind of like a spiritual book, which is weird. She's a writer of fiction. This is her memoir, but it really kind of reads like an artist way. She shares her struggles, even as a published author, kind of driving around in her car, uh, not earning much money, you know, crashing on people's couches. And I thought that was really kind of a, a neat thing to share. Cause I, I see her as somebody who's, you know, successful and writing all the time and doing all these interesting things. But I just like her also. She's kind of like a an indie person's eat, pray, love. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are there any tips you would give to kind of people in the yoga world or wellness world that are self-employed on how to create their personal brand or kind of use social media in a way that is authentic to them and genuine? Gosh, things have changed so much. I mean, you guys have been kind of before the the all the timeness that's happened, yeah. you know, with stories and even before Instagram. I, mean, I think my first picture I posted on Instagram was like some garbage that I saw on the ground that looked interesting to me. <laughs> you know, kind of didn't matter. And yoga things, of course, but maybe this is not a popular thing to say or maybe unheard of in a, in a way, but I think it's really important to, to put your phone down and figure out who you are, what you like to do and if you even want to share it <laughs> mm. and how you want to share it in a mm. way, especially now. I mean, I have the the really good luck of when I started, there was yoga teachers. There was a lot of yoga teachers doing this for a living. There was, you know, there had been VHS tapes of, you know, Rodney Yee and lots of DVDs and there was Gaim and things like that. But I didn't want to continue in that or be adopted by those people. So I kind of you know, felt like myself and summon up enough courage to just kind of share what I felt. And, you know, I, I feel like that's true for everybody. Everybody has something really unique, even if you're doing the same thing. Mm. But I look at, we all look at everything now and there's so much of the same thing looking the same way. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel bad, not just for young people coming up, but for older people kind of getting sucked in all day long to, you know, just 
feeling bad about themselves because of what other people are sharing. Mm. Yeah, and that's there's a huge difference, isn't it? Like you said, of the things that you personally enjoy doing, doing it for your own kind of internal happiness and doing the things that social media tells you are the signs of a happy person. Mm. And yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah it's mad, and it is hard to navigate what is what and what, what do I you want. I mean, I'll, I'll share, like I, I totally got sucked into because I have a a little girl, I got sucked into sharing all the, oh, we're doing this. And I'm like, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not going to sell children's clothing online <laughs> that she's wearing. I'm not an influencer in that way. At least I don't see myself or I don't want to do that. But just because I had this phone and I had this kid, <laughs> I was like, well, everyone else is doing it. <laughs> and then I kind of looked at myself like, this is, this is terrible for me. It's not what I want to do. Like I love the things that I love to do. And I love having it in the the container that I have it in. And that's okay. You know, you don't, it's not rude to not share every moment of your life yeah. online. And I feel like that's, that was a fear that I had. Am I being rude to my, my online friends that I know in real life? Am I being rude? And I'm like, oh, I can still like text people photos of my life. I can still mm. share things that I want to share, but it's not rude to have a life, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I feel like we're kind of, you know, headed to that place where, if you're not sharing your entire life, then, you know, who are you? Do, do you even have a life? Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Lots to dig into there, but we'll ask you final question. Well, we always like to ask if you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share. Ooh, a favorite quote. I guess I'm going to go with um, Ben Harper's, I believe in a better way, or, but also maybe Lauren Hill's everything is everything. <laughs> mm. love I Hill. just love that. How yeah. you guys said, you know, the, the cup and the saucer and moving with ease, yeah. you know, we all get there in a different way, but hopefully we, you know, move in a better way. Love that. And where would you like people to find you? Kind of your social media <laughs> and anything, any books you accept or you've got out at the moment or releasing? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, keeping it just simple. Everybody's easy to find now, but strollyoga.com uh, is pretty easy. I finally put up a uh, terrastyles.com because I have uh, my literary agent was like, you know, you should really have all your books <laughs> on, <laughs> online <laughs> there. So I have that, but that's just super simple. Uh, but yeah, super easy. And people can do yoga with us on the Strala Yoga app, but everything's really easy to find and connected from, from those places. Amazing. Sure. It's been so lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you too. I can't wait to come find you guys in um in the real life. Honestly unbalanced.